eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Rodgers, in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win! Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown! Welcome back to the Packs That She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein and... We were supposed to have a special guest this week, Nicole Menner, recently moved to Wisconsin to cover sports. And in that recent move to Wisconsin, she is privy to the Bucks NBA championship team and was at the parade today, which is incredible. So her episode got postponed to next week, where we will talk to Nicole about Packers training camp and Bucks and Six and the parade that took over all of Milwaukee today. But yeah. So now we have to talk about training camp, which is fine. Perry, how are Go you? Bucks. Go Bucks! <laughs> Go Bucks! Bucks and Six, fear the deer. Okay, um, I'm good. I'm looking forward to coming up to Wisconsin and seeing you and um, being at training camp. It's very soon. It's on the horizon. I think the guys report in six days. Yeah, the 28th is my best friend's golden birthday. She's turning 28. So I'm going to try and be offline as much as possible. We're having a big party, but I know that that's going to be impossible because it is the day that training camp will start. Veterans report on the 27th. So maybe we'll know about Aaron Rodgers by then. I feel like that's going to linger at least until August at some point. So I don't know, Perry, but (laughs) I don't know what to say about Aaron Rodgers. We're not going to talk about Aaron Rodgers today, even though the theme of our show is about our questions for training camp, which he can easily fall under that bucket, right? Um, but we're going to kind of skip over that because nobody has any answers. But what if I, I, I do have one question that maybe okay, isn't necessarily is about him specifically. I, okay. I mean, I guess it has to be. But before we get started talking about the other players in training camp, I think obviously the quarterback is a big question. I asked Jacob this pre-show for Pack-A-Day yesterday, and we couldn't come up with an answer. If you are the Packers... How soon does Aaron Rodgers need to let you know that he's playing or not playing to still start week one? Like the game's September 12th. It's a road game. They'll be in New Orleans. How, you know, close to the wire can Aaron Rodgers get? Can he call them September 10th and say, yo, I'll, fly, I'll meet you down in Louisiana and play? Um, no, I think prep that week when that week starts on Monday. Okay. So you're going to say that he, he really has up until like September 5th. Okay. Look, 
I think that's wrong. And I think that if he does that, he's just going to screw over his team and Matt LaFleur and the coaching staff. Um, but I think that if there is a player who, you know, can show up week of and be completely prepared on a personal level, it's Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And I, I guess maybe let's take that into the first question for training camp. We know last year the Packers kept three quarterbacks on the 53-man roster. Tim Boyle was the backup. Jordan Love was a healthy scratch for the entirety of the season. You know, Aaron Rodgers, whether or not he's on the team, it could make a difference. But do you have a thought on how many quarterbacks will be on the active roster? Because I don't see it being three this year if Rodgers is back. But you think it's only going to be two? Yeah, I think... So my thought is that if Aaron Rodgers is back, Jordan Love will be his backup and like Kurt Benkert will be on the practice squad. If Jordan Love is the starter, then I think you have Blake Bortles as your number two. And then you maybe have Kurt Benkert as the backup or on the practice squad. I think it it hinges on. Why did they bring in Bortles? They always keep four, don't they? for, For a training camp, yeah. But I'm talking about like initial 53 and then the practice squad. Wow, that's interesting. Because I think it, I think it changes. I think if Aaron Rodgers is back, they keep two, and I think if Aaron is not back, they keep three on the active roster. I think I agree with you. And I mean, I, th- I, I think at this point, Blake Bortles is the insurance of knowing Nathaniel Hackett, and you know the McVay style offense that we know Matt Lafleur is fond of, and just being able to support Jordan Love in his role as QB one. So if Aaron Rodgers is QB one, then you don't necessarily need Blake Bortles. Because I don't, I don't necessarily see the Packers going into the season with Jordan Love being backed up by Kurt Benkert. I just no, don't. definitely not. So. But I feel like there's something about Bortles being like the Tim Boyle of last season, like the buffer yeah. between Rodgers mm-hmm. and Love, that could be pretty important. Yeah, I have more thoughts. I don't want to talk about Aaron Rodgers, though. It. No, give me your thoughts. Let's talk about <laughs> it. It's a legitimate question. I mean, like I think that. I'm a little bit clouded in my response because I want Kurt Banker to succeed in Green Bay. And so I'm going through all of the scenarios in my head of how he can be on the team in both scenarios. I think no matter what, they probably keep him on the practice squad. Yeah. And if you subscribe to go long um, from Ty Dunn, he wrote a good article about Kurt Benkert. Um, and it, it basically sounded like, you know, Kurt was turning heads with the Falcons and there just wasn't a spot for him on the roster. So maybe that's what drew the Packers to him. Maybe he performs just as well in training camp. It sounds, you know, from his account of everything, when Julio Jones texts you, I mean, I think that means you're doing something right, but it really sounded like he was in the, in the right in what he was doing, and it was just a, a bad situation that he needed a fresh start somewhere else. But I guess my thoughts on Aaron Rodgers are just, if it's not about Jordan Love, then you don't need a buffer. But I have a hard time seeing just Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love in a quarterback room, even though it's, quote unquote, never been about Jordan Love. And they talk. They talked right before Jordan reported to camp. Yeah. So I don't know. That's why it's hard for me to see three. But I I do understand why there's like the thought of needing somebody in that room. Things we will see when we get up there. Um, It's all about whether he reports. And I think so much of this roster building is all about if Aaron Rodgers reports, because let's face it, you're going to construct your team differently if you have a first-year starter, a rookie, or if you have your 
MVP Hall of Fame quarterback. You just are. Like the coaching staff during their pressers can pretend all they want, like they're just going about their business, but you're not just going about your business when those two key pillars of your team are like drastically different. Yeah. And that's what's hard. And I, I mean, no, like, what do you expect Matt LaFleur to say? What do you expect, you know, Goody to say in his pressers? Obviously, there has to be a certain company line at some point that the, the team is towing. But it, it is interesting to hear Matt LaFleur say, like, look, there's one playbook. There's one scheme. Like, we're going to operate our offense the same way. But you even whoever was at quarterback... This is nothing to do with Jordan Love. It's the fact that you have an MVP caliber player who just won his third MVP. Like, there's going to be a drop-off whoever's playing. I don't care if Matt Stafford comes in and plays quarterback or, you know, whoever, I guess, maybe outside of, like, Patrick Mahomes. So I do think that's a really interesting point is, like, do you look at different running backs or different gadget players for your offense? Like, does Jordan Love force your hand to support him differently than you would have to support an NFL MVP? Yes. Which I think leads us to another question that we have, which is like, what does the running back room look like? Because I think that, right, you're going to lean on theoretically Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, no matter who is under center, to be quite honest, um, you're always going to, for a vet quarterback, it's great to have an amazing running back duo. And for a rookie quarterback, it's also great so that he doesn't have to be throwing 30 to 40 times a game. Um, but the, I think one and two are pretty solidified, at least in our minds, unless something goes wildly awry, but it's that running back three and then potentially if they keep a fourth, um, I think, I think, you know, Kylan Hill makes the team just because he's, he was just drafted and what's the downside to that, I guess. Um, and then four, maybe, I mean, I think you and I both are, are pulling for Patrick Taylor, but you've got, you know, Dexter Williams in there as well, who's had a couple of years under his belt. So I don't know. Do you think they keep three or do you think they keep four? And if so, who is it? I've been going back and forth with this because, you know, I think, I guess we're talking about running back specifically, but when you look at like the wide receivers, do they keep five or six as a question? We know Jay Sternberger, the tight end is suspended for the first two games. So you would think that the Packers start the season with four and then wave somebody like maybe Dominique Daphne to give Jace his spot back, you know, when he's able to return from the suspension. So I guess kind of those numbers are what to me would influence that running back position. I last year, the Packers kept four and then, you know, they had some injuries at the position. So it was nice that they had depth, but I, I guess I still see them keeping four running backs and five receivers. And I think that that's going to be kind of the question is who gets cut to make that spot for a running back. Great question. I guess we're going to have to see what Devin Funches looks like and what EQ looks like in camp. I mean, I think it's cliche too to say, but I think a lot of like these final, you know, you don't expect like a running back three to contribute a ton. You don't expect a wide receiver five or six to contribute a ton. So I think most of this will be, who latches onto special teams. And that's not necessarily as a returner, but as a gunner or, you know, whatever your role is, if you can carve out a spot for yourself on special teams, you're probably more likely to get one of those tail end spots than somebody who only is playing offense or defense. For sure. hundred percent. So what questions do you have? There's a ton. There's, I mean, there's really a lot of unknowns at this point. There's more I unknowns mean, than knowns. 
mine are really about defense. Like, what's Joe Barry's defense going to look like? Who's going to play nickel? Who is? What's he going to do with his pieces? How many edge rushers is he going to keep? I have so many questions about the Joe Barry defense because that's really, like, I think for the most part, like, we, besides the, the maybe some specific fringe players, the offense is going to look like the offense. The defense is what has changed this offseason. Yeah, and I mean, I think going to that, one of the questions that I had kind of building on that, what does the defense look like, is who wears the communication helmet? Because one of the things I feel like Joe Barry does is he mixes up his inside linebackers. And there's still guys who are on the field like 90, 100% of the time. But if you're looking for like an every down player to kind of be the leader of the defense, that really makes me think it's a guy like Adrian Amos. Like maybe Chris Barnes, Devondre Campbell, Kamal Martin, whoever's back there, those three or four guys, if you had like a Ty Summers, rotate enough depending on you know, the pre-snap looks that you need somebody who's always on the field like Adrian Amos or Darnell Savage to wear the communication helmet. And I love the way that Adrian Amos fits in Joe Barry's defense. So right. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if they'd want to do that to him and add more to his plate since right. Barnes wore it last year, but with a new DC, I guess you don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're like modeling this after Staley, he did like a lot of like split safety zone coverages um and it's actually kind of similar the more I was reading about it it's very like similar to Petten's idea which is just like stopping the pass game and big receiving threats like that's basically what you're trying to do you're trying to stop the Niners you're trying to stop the Chiefs like you know fast and and furious I guess the Bucks you could put in there now also with all of their weapons um I don't think it's going to be like a huge shift for the Packers defense to, like adapt to aside from what you just said, right, which is, like, specific kind of player assignments. Like, what's he going to do with Amos? Um, are they going to drop him down into the box more? Are they going to use Savage closer to the line of scrimmage? It's – we will see. So let's build on that then a little bit because I – I mean, I think we've talked about this a little bit at least already, but looking at the boundary corner, we know Jair – even though he has gotten some looks in camp or I should say in OTAs at nickel, I still feel like his primary role will be on the boundary. Do you still agree that Kevin King is going to at least start the season as boundary too? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, like I said, I mean, unless we go up and see something in camp and Eric Stokes like completely shows out, I can't see the pack. They didn't bring back Kevin King on a $5 million deal basically to not have him at least start the season. Do you have any predictions on who's going to start at nickel? It's interesting because I just think it depends on what he wants to do with Savage. Like Savage played a lot of slot corner snaps in college and he kind of has the ability to run with receivers, but I don't know why you would change his role from what he was doing in the second half of last season when he was succeeding at that so much. But I just don't think Channon Sullivan's it. I don't think that he's consistent enough. I think he probably starts there and then potentially Joe Barry just sees what he has in the other players. I think there's also a level of like development from the other safeties because they're pretty unproven, right? Like what's Vernon Scott going to look like if Vernon Scott can come in and kind of take over from like an actual safety standpoint, then you can move Savage down into the slot more. Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of honestly one of the, it seems like it's a question every year and I don't know why that is. 
uh, maybe because it's always like a, a drafted piece. But the secondary, I think, is one of the biggest questions. And it's it's a better question now that you have, you know, a second team all pro and a pro bowler as part of that package when you're not grasping at the entirety of straws and you have one position solidified. And of course the starting safety tandem of Amos and Savage looks good, but you do still have questions at nickel. You have questions at the second boundary corner. If they're in dime, who's going to be that sixth player. And you know, a lot of that is unproven. You have Will Redmond who has gotten some looks, but you know, for the most part, how well does he fit? I don't know how much Joe Barry's going to play dime. That's the thing. I think that might be like the biggest difference. Yeah. And I mean, and if that is the case, I think that that's interesting about what the cornerback depth looks like. Yeah. You have Josh Jackson, who was a former second round pick, Kadar Holman, uh, Shamar John Charles, the Packers obviously drafted because they liked him quite a bit. Ton of safeties. Christian Uphoff, I know, as a fan favorite, as an undrafted player who could make waves, Enos Gaines from Texas and or Texas and uh, Texas Christian University. So I don't know. I think, yeah. you know, the, the starters are for the most part solidified, but I think the depth shuffling is going to be a lot different this year. Well, I think also the depth shuffling for me, I'm more concerned around the line than the secondary because the depth at the line is just like not still not really there. I guess like TJ Slayton was an addition, but he's still a rookie. Um, And you've got like, I think you've got, you know, you've got Kenny Z and Rashawn. Okay. Then I guess you rotate Lowry, Lancaster, Slayton, Preston, um, but those last sort of, if you're lining five up right against opposing offensive lines, those last two, there's so much like variance in production from the Lowry, Lancaster, Slayton, Preston bucket than there is from Kenny Z, Rashawn. You kind of always know what you're getting from them. And it's like defense is the weakest link system. Yeah, so this is actually interesting because while we're going through this, the Packers are bringing in more tryout players right before the start of camp next week. They brought in a defensive back, Rashad Robinson, who was a fourth-round pick in 2016 out of LSU. Uh, They brought in Sterling Johnson, a nose tackle, which you were just talking about along the defensive line. He's an undrafted player from Coastal Carolina, has not taken a snap yet in the NFL. And then they're also bringing in a tight end, Tommy Stevens, even though he played quarterback at Mississippi State, was a seventh rounder for the Saints last season. So clearly there's still some rooms that they are interested in or looking to bolster. I mean, what do you, yeah. I mean, what do you, what do you think about the defensive line though? To me, I mean, I think that obviously, like you said, Kenny Clark is the mainstay. You know what you get. I think that Joe Barry will mix up who he's got dropping as like a roaming nose. We saw that with Patton a little bit. So, you know, guys like Z. And Rashawn can do that. I know there was talk before training camp started that Dean Lowry could end up being some type of cap casualty. I don't see that happening with the depth at this point. And I I understand why Packers fans are so excited about TJ Slayton, but given that he is a rookie and he hasn't really developed a pass rush repertoire yet, I think that that room's going to look pretty similar to the way that it did last season. You know, Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Kingsley Kiki, uh, Tyler Lancaster, and then... I completely forgot about Kingsley Kiki in my... In my rotation. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think that he's, I think he'll still ascend, but I, I guess I wonder like what his ceiling looks like Yeah. as, as an NFL player. He's just not an every down guy. Right. And I think that's part of it. Yeah. I mean, I think the rotation on the defensive line is actually like one of my biggest question marks. 
now that we're talking about it. Um, I think there's just like such a drop off after our starting three, the Packers starting three. A couple weeks ago on Pack a Day, Sanjay Murthy, friend of the show, the Freezer Podcast, um, and I ranked our position groups from strongest to weakest. I don't like that word, but you know, biggest question mark. And we had flip flopped inside linebacker and defensive line. So, do you have a position that you think is maybe has bigger questions, or would you not have put either of those at the bottom of the roster? I think they're like always kind of at the bottom of the roster for the Packers. I mean, the, the way that I think about it is they're so they go so hand in hand because if you've got your like really solid, I mean, everything starts with the front. I think when it comes to defense, right? If you've got your solid front, it makes life easier for the Packers young inside linebackers that don't have to close as many gaps immediately because your rushers and your defensive line are plugging the holes or getting to the quarterback first. And then on top of that, you're making your life easier for your secondary because you're disrupting the pocket. So I think from that standpoint, I'd say defensive line, just because they're just so much more impactful. Yeah. And I think there's just so many questions and that's, I guess what makes this episode fun, but at the same time, you know, there's not really a ton of information yet because we're not at training camp seeing things with our own eyes or hearing from reporters how teams are looking. But I'm here's another thing. Here's another thing that I thought was really interesting about the Barry Staley scheme, which I want your thoughts on because this was such a, a qualm last season is how like not aggressive Petten was on third down. And like, I guess that's like the biggest opposite, right? Is that like, their the Staley scheme, if you will, the Fangio scheme is so much more aggressive with heavy rushers on third down. Like they rush five more than most other defenses. And so like does do the Packers have the personnel in your mind in everything that we're talking about with this line and outside linebacker group to effectively rush five? I'm gonna say yes. I think that's really interesting. Um, but yeah, I think if I had to like build my front, whether it's three, four, however you want to want to base it, it's Z, Rashawn and Preston, I would get all three of them on the field. And then as long as Kingsley Kiki and Kenny Clark are in there, yeah, then it's okay. I mean, TJ Slayton, like I love him as a big bodied run stuffer, but we yeah. don't know what he has yet as a pass rusher. I don't think that's his, his role. And you can always do like a safety blitz situation. <laughs> Or a cornerback blitz with Jair. Yeah, but that's also like (laughs) implying – I mean, that's risky on third down, right? If you're rushing five and you're using someone in your secondary, you better get home. Otherwise, you're losing someone in your secondary and they'll likely get the ball out for completion. I just am really – I'm really enjoying learning about this defense because it's so new and, like, we don't know anything yet. And so when we go up to camp, I think these are things that we're going to, like – look for not that we'll see these right we're not going to see this until game time um my only other question that I still have for Joe Barry is what's he going and this kind of goes back to what we were just talking about with the boundary corner but like how is he going to compensate for the weakest link and I say that because like Kevin King got targeted so much last season like what's he going to do there yeah and I mean I think 
We talked about this kind of right when the NFC Championship game ended, but for guys like Will Redman and for Kevin King, it's tough because your last performance is always what's under a microscope. And Mike Patton said that after the 2019 NFC Championship game as well, like his defense had played pretty well the majority of the year, and then you have your worst game of the season when it matters the most. And of course that's what people remember, but you know, if Kevin King looks like 2019 Kevin King or, you know, even like the beginning of 2020 Kevin King, that's good for the Packers. Like then the five mil for one year might almost look like a deal. If he leads your team with interceptions and has five, like he did in 2019, then that's a steal. But if you're dollars per interception, (laughs) but if you're building off of some performances that had shaken guys confidence, then you have more question marks. But I think like you said, having Joe Barry come in then and the way that he'll use them will be different. And I think, you know, not to say that Mike Patton was like the factor in a lot of this, but I think a fresh start is good for all parties in that situation. They're also elevated, I guess, promoted really Jerry Gray. And so Jerry Gray's have a lot more say in the passing game defense than he did last year, um, which I think similar to in like sort of the fresh start area, you're also getting a guy that the entire secondary consensusly loves and respects and listens to um, in a much more like elevated leadership role. All right. Do you have any other questions that are pressing on your mind before we wrap the show? No, mine are all defensive questions, which should, should surprise no one. Uh, Do you think that Joe Barry is going to coach from the box or do you think he'll be on the sideline? Sideline. You think so? I hope so. Yeah. Okay. I don't like the box. Be down on their field. I think, like, there's something about a coach. I think about, like, Robert Sala, honestly, as kind of, like, the gold standard of defensive coaches right now. And he's on the sideline. He's pumping his guys up. He's in the trenches with them. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, and I know Kevin Green wasn't the defensive coordinator, but when I think about, like, coaches making an impact, I think about Super Bowl 45. And I don't think spill it, pick it happens if Kevin Green doesn't come over to Clay and say, like, it is time. Let's do it. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, now I'm now I'm just thinking about the Super Bowl and, you know, longing, longing for Not those days. You're on a roll. All right. Packers next. Brewers next. We talked about this. Pa- Packers next. And that's <laughs> <the one>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, next week we will have Nicole Menner on the show, hopefully to talk about maybe what she's seen the first couple of days of training camp, talk about the Bucks parade and all of her great work that she started in Wisconsin, um, just recently moved here. But Perry, where can all of the people listening find your work on social media? You can just follow me on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. Um, follow the podcast at PWSS Podcast on Twitter. Packs what she said on Instagram and Twitch. I know it's been a little quiet, just the nature of the times. But as training camp and the actual season comes closer, we're, we're going to have a lot more content out. And it's going to be it's going to be really fun. Yeah, stay tuned the next couple weeks. We unfortunately just missed um, being in Green Bay for the Packers and Jets. Uh, That would have been a lot of fun to kind of see Robert Sala, specifically Mike LaFleur coming back as well. But you can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. I write for GSET TV and Perry and I are both with the Pack-A-Day podcast crew as well. So like she said, keep tabs on everything going on in the next couple weeks, the next couple months as we get ready for the 2021 NFL season. Thank you, as always, for listening to the show. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.